Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, news broke that President Trump was considering buying Greenland. Sources say President Trump has, on multiple occasions, brought up the idea of buying Greenland from the Danish government. And the White House Counsel's office has looked into the possibility. Uh, is this serious? Is the president serious about buying Greenland? Yes, that's right. The president later confirmed that he did, in fact, ask his administration to explore the possibility of purchasing Greenland. So the concept came up and I said, certainly I'd be strategically, it's interesting and we'd be interested, but we'll talk to them a little bit. It's not number one on the burner, I can tell you that. Greenland, by the way, has its own autonomous government, but it's part of the kingdom of Denmark, a country that's a strategic ally for the U.S. in Europe. At first, no one, not Denmark or Trump's own aides, really seemed to take this idea too seriously. But it turned out Trump was pretty serious. So serious, in fact, that when the Danish prime minister eventually gave an interview where she dismissed the idea as absurd, Trump retaliated by announcing that he's postponing his planned upcoming trip to Denmark. And he criticized Danish leadership in the process. Denmark, I look forward to going, but I thought that the prime minister's statement that it was absurd, that was a, it was an absurd idea, was nasty. I thought it was an inappropriate statement. All she had to do is say, no, we wouldn't be interested. This all seems kind of wild. A modern U.S. president boldly suggesting he purchased land occupied by real people and then publicly criticizing a strategic ally for their failure to consider his idea. But is it as unusual as it seems? Have we purchased territories or countries before? Can Trump buy Greenland? This is Can He Do That, a podcast exploring the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. You're talking about this so seriously and calmly, whereas a week ago we were all like, what? <laughs> well, I want to address that. I want to address whether or not that reaction is sort of warranted. That other voice is Damian Paletta, our White House economic policy reporter. He's been on the show many times before, so you might recognize his voice by now. Okay, so if I can just go back a little bit to the late last week, we found out that President Trump had told aides, and they had begun actually planning this quite elaborately, acquiring Greenland from Denmark. Greenland is a huge island, a self-governing island, but it's a province of Denmark, and President Trump wanted to buy it. Okay, so the Danish government found out about it when the Wall Street Journal broke the story. They were like, um, politely, not going to happen, but we're you know, open for business, whatever that means. And it got to the point, though, where the Danish prime minister, Fredrickson, said it was absurd to think that Denmark would sell Greenland to the United States. President Trump was incredibly offended that the prime minister used the word absurd. Even though she had been measured otherwise up until that point. Just exactly. this one word, absurd. Yeah, no. And, and actually, she had President Trump was supposed to visit Denmark in just a few weeks. So they were rolling out the red carpet for him. But she did use the word absurd. He said 
his comment in response to that was that it was a nasty thing for her to say. She should have just said no, and therefore he's canceling his visit to Denmark. This was a diplomatic tension with a country that's traditionally been our ally. What's our relationship been like with Denmark up until this point? I mean, the, so the U.S. actually has an air base in uh, Greenland in the northwest coast. Now, there's not actually planes there anymore. It's obviously, as you can imagine, it's very hard to because it's frozen all the time. Mm-hmm. But we've had um, an air base there since almost World War II to protect Denmark from Germany or Russia or whatever. So we have like a long-standing alliance. Denmark's part of NATO. You know, we're close allies. They've been helping in the U.S. and Afghanistan for years. There's never really been any tension between the two countries. Were the Danes just planning on welcoming Trump? What was the context of the visit that they were going to welcome Trump You know, for? it's been a mystery. We, we, it's one of those trips where we never really heard what exactly the president wanted to accomplish there. He was supposed to meet with senior officials, but they wouldn't really say what the agenda was. And then we found out about this plot they had to acquire Greenland without really telling Denmark. And things kind of unraveled from there. But it wasn't like they were going to sign a treaty or there was some big trade dispute. Uh, you know, it was a big mystery what exactly he wanted to do. So it's possible that the Danish thought Trump was coming just, you know, sort of as a diplomatic, polite visit. Exactly. And as a, co- a country like Denmark would be thrilled to roll out the red carpet for a major world leader like this. So, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for the U.S. to visit there. He, uh, President Trump was supposed to go from Denmark to Poland for a visit, which is a huge regional ally and and the leader of Poland is very close to President Trump. So that made a lot of sense for him to kind of hopscotch from one to the next. Let's backtrack for a second away from the visit and understand why did Trump want to buy Greenland or consider buying Greenland in the first place? Okay, that's an amazingly great question that we don't (laughs) have the answer to, but we we know we have little clues, okay? Greenland does have a U.S. air base that is used, you know, ironically enough for like space stuff, mm-hmm. sensing missiles coming in from outer space and monitoring things with satellites. So it's not like we're you know launching planes left and right, but it is like really important because it's geographically an amazing location. Now, it's, I think, 80% covered in ice. There's like 60,000 permanent residents there. I think 0.6% of it can be used for agriculture. You know, it's really not like you're not going to build this amazing new society there, but there's a lot of natural resources. It, you know, it seems like actually not a bad idea to try to develop it if you're a developer and have a real estate sense of, you know, mind like President Trump. Mm-hmm. He's not the first U.S. president that had interest in acquiring it. President Truman, you know, tried something similar many years ago. So it's not like it was that out of left field, but he hasn't really given us a good indication. And the, and the reason I say this is kind of cloaked in mystery is because when, as I've been pressing people on, you know, why would he want to do this? There's more, like, sensitivity than usual with this. Back in, you know, I think the 60s and 70s, there was a huge nuclear uh, program that had ties to Greenland. Like, uh, I think even one of our planes that had nuclear weapons crashed in Greenland. So there's been a lot of nuclear activity there. Um, It's way up, you know, I think the base itself is like 1,500 kilometers from the North Pole. I mean, it's really far north. And so, you know, I could see why he might want to think about it. But the way that they went about it without really bringing Denmark in from the beginning, it, I think is what, why it fell apart the way it did. Right. And what do we know about why Harry Truman wanted to purchase Greenland? And that was back in 1946. Right. Back then, Greenland was incredibly important for the U.S. to have access to Europe, which at the time, you know, was very volatile, obviously, and also Russia. And so, you know, when you control the shipping lanes up there, 
Um, and now it's much more important, actually, because of uh, climate change with, you know, the ice shelves thawing and stuff. You can get more ships through than maybe you could 20 or 30 years ago. So, you know, the location is actually more important. But back then, it was a huge entry point for the U.S. into Europe and Russia. And that's why I think it was a big, um, of big interest to Truman. So neither Truman nor Trump wanted better access to Santa. <laughs> right. You never know. That would be classified. Just checking. Okay. So... Even if it might be advantageous for, for the U.S. to buy Greenland, for example, can the United States merely buy a country? I would think no. Um, however, I mean, if you look at how the U.S. has been pieced together, you know. Um, the Louisiana Purchase. Exactly. Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. Right. And, um, so just to be clear, we purchased Alaska from Russia. Right. And at the time, it was thought to be a boneheaded, stupid mistake. Mm-hmm. But in terms, you know, in terms of the natural resources, it was, you know, he was huge. And so I think there's there, some people were kind of open minded about, well, hear him out on this. However, the way that he would planned it without consulting with Denmark, obviously, there's there's, you know, citizens of Greenland. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens to them? Do they have any say in this? You know, how does this work? Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of that stuff had really been thought through. Mm-hmm. And that's why it kind of got so ugly. And had the president took their response so personally, and now, you know, he canceled this trip, and who knows where it goes from there. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. As we've all sort of reacted with a laugh or two about the concept of Trump wanting to buy Greenland, it's not in and of itself the idea that Trump wants to buy Greenland, right? We've seen presidents want to do that before. We've purchased land in the past. It's more about the context in which he tried to do it and the yeah, approach he took. There's a real sensitivity still to colonialism mm-hmm. And taking things by hook or by crook and, you know, forcing yourself on another country. Absolutely. And if you look at what happened even not that long ago with Crimea and Russia and Mm -hmm. Ukraine, you know, it's a really kind of ugly way that that played out. And people are still really upset. And now President Trump wasn't planning to just take Greenland. But... You know, everyone's kind of sensitive. I think there's a lot of Europeans that are very suspicious of President Trump and his motives. They thought, you know, he might, I mean, Greenland's kind of this funny thing where it's actually technically part of North America, but it's, you know, been associated with Europe for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, President Trump, especially the fact that he didn't really explain his interest there and everyone was kind of suspicious, I think that made it even worse. It seems also that in modern history, it's pretty rare for countries generally to expand at this point. We see a lot of fracturing of countries, things like Brexit, countries trying to gain independence. Is Trump's Greenland suggestion sort of sort of out of step with this moment in global history? When I wrote our story Thursday night about this, uh, you know, it, I, we kept getting hung up on this whole America first idea. And wh- how does Greenland fit into America first? If anything, he was kind of trying to draw our borders tighter. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to seal off the, Mex- the border with Mexico. He really wants to. He threatened to pull out of NATO. He was really suspicious of all these global alliances that he thinks, you know, take advantage of the U.S. And a lot of his supporters believe that. How does Greenland, you know, mesh with that? I don't think any of us really understand. Now, I could see if, you know, members of the U.S. military said, Mr. President, 
with you know um, Russia and China are trying to make big you know moves into the Arctic. It would make sense for us to have a bigger, stronger foothold than just this one airbase that's like frozen all the time. Maybe he kind of bought into that, and he thought that Greenland, the price would would be right. I don't know, um, but and maybe also because it had national security implications, they really couldn't talk about it as much as he'd like to. He couldn't kind of make his pitch. That's that's very possible. Trump's had a pretty wild week this week. Even though he's heading into the upcoming G7, which is this major meeting of world leaders that's very important, he spent this week doing things like questioning the loyalty of, of American Jews or backpedaling on, on gun legislation. He's even sort of undercut aides, his own aides, about the state of the economy. Why at this moment? Why make Greenland part of the conversation right now? Great question. What happened, uh, they sort of lost the handle on it because the story broke before he was ready to make the pitch. And that was kind of one of those unusual circumstances where he lost the narrative. He lost the ability to kind of make his case. Everyone came out quickly with an opinion on it. And, and the Danish government you know, was able to kind of get out in front of it as, as well before he could explain what he was trying to do. Then you have this kind of reactive, angry President Trump, which is what we saw over the past two days you know, calling the prime minister nasty and stuff, and, and he cancels his trip. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he was ready for this to come out. If anything, he might have tried to roll it out when he was there and put them on the defensive because, they, you know, it had to be polite when he was there in person. But because it came out before he was ready, it made what was a kind of a crazy week even crazier. Right. So part of his motivation for canceling his trip might have been the idea that he's lost his leverage in this Greenland negotiation. Right. I, absolutely. And it, and that it would be super awkward. They would be very suspicious of him. He wouldn't be able to kind of do his tr- normal charm offensive and that he could be embarrassed on the world stage, which for him is something that he's really, you know, anxious about. What is Trump's end goal here? What is he hoping will come out of all of this, that the Danish government will now back down because he's canceled his trip and he'll get Greenland? Or just does he want it all to kind of go away? I, I thought about this a lot. You're going to look back and wonder, okay, what did he accomplish? He cut taxes. He had this big trade war with China. He has built some, not all, but some of a wall along the Mexico border. But did he do something that was like really historic? You know, Mm -hmm. did he like grab the biggest island on the planet? Mm -hmm. You know, I could see that being appealing to him. Especially from the perspective of a developer. Absolutely. Yeah. And you would think if it was successful, it would be something that would live on for generations to come. It would be Trump land, you know, this big island. And so I could see that being very appealing to him. And the fact that it doesn't seem like it's going to work out, maybe he just says, forget it, let's move on. I don't want to you know, make this any more embarrassing for myself. Just to sort of wrap this up, as we mentioned, Trump is headed to the G7. You are actually headed to the G7 yourself. What will you be looking out for there as Trump interacts with our world leaders? I'm going to the G7. This will be my fifth trip with President Trump. Um, I've been to several G20s, and this is the second G7. And these things are incredibly fun and crazy because you never know what's going to happen. The president really puts on a show. Um, World leaders are instantly kind of trying to figure out how to deal with him. Some are very angry. Some are, you know, trying to court him. And it's just a nonstop mess, really. As a journalist, it's great, I think. But for these other countries, it's they're just trying to get through it and survive. And this one could be the craziest of all because in, in a sense, the world you know, leadership structure is cracking. You know, We're in the midst of this really tense moment with Brexit. The new UK prime minister, Boris Johnson, will be there meeting with Trump for the first time. You have the, the French government, which is now imposing these tariffs on US companies. President Trump's furious and wants to t- tax their wine. 
They're hosting the whole thing. You have German Chancellor Merkel, who's always at odds with President Trump. Um, you have Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, who hosted last year when Trump left in a hissy fit. So there's this like, crazy dynamic here. Italy doesn't even have a prime minister anymore <laughs> because he just resigned this week. So who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to be super interesting. And I think w- the way this all fits together is the president just has his own thoughts on how diplomacy should work. Right, All the stuff that's been going on for 50 or 60 years, he's just not interested in. Okay, he wants to buy Greenland. Who says he can't do it? He can do whatever he wants. He can try. They say no. Okay, he'll move on. So now he's going to go to the G7. Who knows what's going to happen there? I mean, the world is just on edge because this president just does things his own way. And now that we're kind of in the second half of his term, some people think they've figured him out. Some people feel like they can stand up to him like China. But wherever he goes, all eyes are on him. And that's exactly what we're going to see at the G7. Okay, well, we will stay tuned to find out what happens at the G7 and how he interacts with these world leaders from your reporting. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? And if you liked it, no, just like Greenland, we're not for sale. You can't buy it, but you can help us out by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the dynamite Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. I mean, I print. I, I tried to. <laughs> I tried to print out Greenlandic greetings that we could like exchange with each other. Oh! But they're just impossible to even pronounce. Well, this is a great moment for Carol. So Carol lived in Denmark for a little while and speaks Danish, not not Greenlandic, but <laughs> Danish. So let's have a little cameo. High is a really difficult one, guys. It's it's high. Oh, okay. All right, I we can, can totally handle that. We can totally hang out in, in Denmark. Say, uh, say, I can't say that. My mouth doesn't make she's those too shapes. Yeah, that's right. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.